Oh, good evening, happy holidays, and welcome to Week 16, Rams All Access. With DeMarco Farr, I am J.B. Long. The Los Angeles Rams, having lost back-to-back games, are at 11-3 and as they head to Arizona to face the 3-11 and Cardinals. Uh, two regular season games to go, DeMarco, if they win them both, they will be no worse than the number 2 seed. Right now, that looks like the most likely scenario, but... Let's start with this new feeling. We haven't had this in a while. Back-to-back yeah. losses. It's been a couple of years, and it has not happened in the Sean McVay era. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I, I like being good. I, I, I like being a winning football team to where you're 11-3 and three and it seems like it's all bad. That's pretty cool. But, I mean, look, if you look at the last two Sundays, they've been on national TV. You haven't played that well. So, I mean, I think we're right to feel how we feel right now. We don't know what the offense is going to look like in Arizona. Uh, we're still waiting for the defense to come around and be dominating. And I think that's what's what it's going to take from here on out. Did it look different watching it back than it felt on Sunday? It to did. me, it did. Yeah, it did. Uh, you know, I, I guess you leave the building thinking something's wrong with Jared, and then you watch it again, and, you know, he made some plays. Uh, I, I think the issue is not necessarily him, but what's going on in front of him. You know, I, I think there's just been a lot more pressure ever since, maybe even before Detroit. Things got a little bit leaky. Probably back to Seattle. And then Detroit and then Chicago, it kind of blew up in your face. And then the Philadelphia Eagles and that defensive line did what we thought they could do. They got pressure on Jared and made him, they, they altered some of his passes. They altered some of his looks. And, you know, it just, it's a little more pressure than we're used to seeing out of the Rams right now. Well, he's seen different things from defenses too, especially these last couple of weeks, Chicago, uh, and then again against the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's higher safeties looks, you know, defenses making sure that the top does not get taken off. I think part of that stems from what you're saying, leaky up front. Part of it stems from Todd Gurley's not right, right. whether it's ankle against Kansas City, knee most recently, like when he's compromised, they're not able to get on schedule. They're not able to get five and six a rip on first down, you know, run play fakes off of their stretch zone the way that they always do. It looks different. And, and when right. they're behind schedule, Jared Goff looks different. And without Cooper Cup, you know, his targets are are not as reliable and dynamic. So it's a confluence of a lot of things. But um, without saying it's Jared, let's just say Jared's performance since the bye has not been good enough to win in the postseason. Well, that's fair. Absolutely fair whatsoever. I mean, it used to be that Sean McVay in this offense would keep a defense off balance so you couldn't be over-aggressive. And if they, if you were over-aggressive, you, if you told your guys, pin your ears back and go after them, they made you pay with screens or perimeter stuff. And that hasn't happened. We haven't seen enough of that. And then once Todd goes down and you're, you're, I guess, a half a football team offensively. Well, look, I, I would dial it up if I'm Jim Schwartz. Just go after them. They can't run the ball. It's obvious they can't run the ball right now. So what'd you make of them letting Farrell Cooper go to clear up some space for C.J. Anderson? Because clearly they were not impressed with what they had behind Todd Gurley at running back the last couple of weeks since Malcolm Brown's gone down. Well, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Actually, it was on the night of the game, Sunday night, when Todd Gurley limped back onto the field. Wow. I mean, if he's got to come back in that condition, there's not much confidence in anybody behind him. And right. then when they made the move, uh, you're thinking, or when Farrell Cooper is released, my first thought was, oh, they must be signing a running back, which means Todd must be kind of banged up. And then sure enough, it happened. But as far as Farrell goes, you know, he's, he's an all pro returner, so you want to give him the shot, but, you know, when you're down your bell cow running back, you can't have one trick ponies, guys that just return. 
and that's all they do to hold a roster spot. Well, especially when Blake Countess in the eight games filling in for Farrell Cooper was averaging better than four and a half per return, four and a half yards per return, right. better than Farrell Cooper brought when he came back to the roster. Right. So, and JoJo's your guy pu- returning punts. You know, I mean, come hell or high water, despite he's your guy. The, despite the mistake right. on Sunday. So, I mean, that makes you expendable in the National Football League. It happens when guys get beat up and banged up. You need to find that roster spot. Well, who's only doing one thing outside of your high-paid guys and your specialists? Well, it's going to go to that guy. Hmm. So the corresponding move by the Arizona Cardinals, I found this interesting. They claim Cooper off of waivers. They have the the highest waiver order priority. There are a couple other teams in the mix. How much of that is trying to get a pulse of what Sean McVay and the Rams are doing offensively at this stage of the season, and how much of that is the fact that they're throwing footballs to Jalen Tolliver and Trent Sherfield at the moment? Uh, big time. I mean, look, I, he's going to help. I, I think Farrell Cooper can help anybody's offense as long as you find a way to integrate him into the offense. He's talented once he gets the, the ball in his hands. I think we can agree on that. And it's smart. It's a division rival. Of course, you're going to put him in a room and see what he knows. Maybe he can help you on Sunday. But remember, if... He could really help. I think he'd be on the field for the Rams already. So it, Who have had I, some receivers dinged in their own right. Correct. I'm not sure how much information he's going to actually give them that could help on game day. Well, I mean, he's had his chances in that regard, and granted, he wasn't 100% healthy. He was injured at the wrong time as well, but you know, they've gone to Josh Reynolds. They've gone to Kaderil Hodge in front of him. So like you were saying, if your spot on the 53 and on the game day 46 is one role, and you're not doing it as well as the guy who was replacing you earlier this season, right? especially when you have draft pick type money associated with you this time of year you become true expendable unfortunately that's the hard part of this we're trying to decipher hieroglyphics we don't know we're not in the building but i mean when you factor in that other guys have been playing and when he has played on offense they haven't really connected right so you know how much of this do you really know going into arizona yeah besides i mean i'm sure he can help with stuff like this guy's beat up this guy's disgruntled this guy yada 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 but as far as the ins and outs x's and o's okay well take that with a grain of salt no i think cj anderson can help i think it's a wise move i think he'll mm-hmm. impact this weekend's game certainly and i think he can be a valuable piece in the postseason especially without malcolm brown I am concerned, kind of intermediate future, though, about what it says about Justin Davis and John Kelly and the depth at tailback, that here we are in week 16, and neither one of those young men apparently has earned the trust of their position coach or their head coach to the point where they can go in and play those downs. Well, one guy, I mean, look, it's not fair and nothing's fair in the National Football League. Uh, Justin took a carry, Justin Davis did, and got hurt. He got smashed. He kept playing special teams, though. Right. It happens, and it happens. I mean, you you just couldn't be counted on to take carries, so that's one thing. I'll give you a pass there. But, you know, as far as a young guy that gets in a game and your sole responsibility on this play is to protect the quarterback and you whiff, well, that just can't happen, especially when you've been in the same room and they've gone over it time and time again. That can't happen. That will... That will get you out of a job faster than you think, Mm -hmm. making mistakes. You just can't have that in the National Football League. Well, Anderson has been a thousand-yard back. He has not got many touches this year playing for two different teams, but I think he's able to pick up the system, the terminology, based on his pedigree, his track record, and then he's the body who can stand in there and protect 16. Because, look, what you don't want to do is put Todd Gurley on the shelf or or protect him in anticipation of the postseason at the expense of number 16 And expose him, right. For the postseason. I'm with you. You know, way back when, I remember when you had Kurt Warner and Mark Bolger on the same roster, and you could tell something was wrong with Kurt and the offense just wasn't moving. So I said, and I thought, I think the offense would be better 
with a live arm. Not necessarily go to the other guy, go to Mark, but if you had a live arm in there, I think the act- the, the offense actually moves. So if you have a healthy running back in this offense, there's going to be touches, there's going to be catches, and you're going to have pass protection responsibilities. If you can do all three, the offense goes. It, it makes it special if you have 30. But just a healthy back will make the offense go. Well, just to wrap up this segment, I do think part of what we are living this week is an overreaction. Not in terms of the personnel things we talked about, but just in terms of the perception of the Rams. Have they lost their identity? Has Sean McVay been figured out? I think the no. answer to the, both <laughs> those things are no. Um, but that being said, beat the brakes off of the two teams you have left on your schedule. Secure that two seed and feel good about yourself going into the bye in the postseason. Because if you don't, then these questions, I, I don't think they just amplify in nature. I, I think they become more credible. I'm with you. And I would say this. That have you figured out Goff? No. Have you figured out McVay? Absolutely not. Have you figured out some guys up front? Sure. And they're going to have to fight their way out of it. I mean, everybody thinks they can get the edge on Roger, on Sully, on Wit. They think they can get pressure on these guys. That's how they're playing. So the only way to get out of that is to play better. You're going to have to step up, meet that, and turn them back. What I love from Monday night in your conversation with Sean McVay is you asked him a question to this effect. I know it doesn't feel great now, but as a coach, as a competitor, don't you love this moment in the season where you're still in great position, right? But now you have real challenges. Now you have real adversity. You know, really, it's easy when things are going well. And, you know, we sit up here and say, be mentally tough, all those different things. And now you get really tested to see if you can be what you say. We talk about it all the time, DeMarco. You know, we see better than we hear. You know, it's one thing to say it. I want to see us do it every single day. And, and you know, I'm a big part of that. We're a big part of that as coaches, players. We're all in this thing together. We're going to climb our way out. And, and really, the, the best part is there's really no magic uh, potion that we have to look for. It's going back to the the core fundamentals, the techniques, our football philosophy, taking better care of the football, getting it back on defense, um, you know, and handling the situations the right way. Part of uh, working through some of this adversity is what will make it even more special when you come out swinging on the right end of it. No doubt, man. Look, there's nothing worse than when you get into a bar fight and the guy that started it is the guy that doesn't get arrested. He's the guy that ran off first. You know, so if you're going to be a tough guy, you have to go back. You have to back it up and prove it. Mm-hmm. You just can't say it. You got to go out there and do it. Well, I love the the tenor of that soundbite yeah. from Sean McBay. Some of the things he touched on there, I just want to circle back on as we go throughout <laughs> this show. It starts with taking care of the football, and maybe we should start there next. The turnovers that have flared up the last couple of weeks, major, major issue. Jared Goff, the largest part of that. Um, he also pointed to the fact that he plays a role in that, and specifically in terms of being letter perfect in game management situations and timeout usage. This is now the point in the season. Maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but in January, you better be letter perfect because those decisions that cost you 30 to 35 seconds are the difference between getting a few plays, a few shots at the end of the game at the end zone or not. No doubt. Um, so that's in there too. Big time. Smart football, important, and it's all up to him, and I love that attitude coming out of him. And then certainly the defense has to deliver on its you know seven first-rounder high paycheck promise because it hasn't. It hasn't this season. It hasn't lately. The Rams have allowed an NFL high 188 points over their last six games. Meantime, their chief competition, the New Orleans Saints in the NFC, have become an elite defensive team. So that's all ahead on this edition of Rams All Access. We'll also go inside opponents' territory with four down territory to get the latest on the Cardinals as they are now in position for the number one pick in the 2019 draft. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. 
All right, welcome back to Rams All Access. Week 16, we're heading to the desert. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, uh, under Sean McVay. The Rams have had tremendous success against the Arizona Cardinals, including a couple of shutouts. In fact, when they were here earlier this season, they didn't cross midfield until the final plays of the game. Uh, it's a new-look Arizona roster, and not necessarily in a good way, but just in terms of changing out coordinator, uh, changing out quarterback. It's now Josh Rosen show, although even he, DeMarco, was pulled last week in a brutal loss of the Falcons. Well, it's on the, it's on the schedule. You have to play him. I mean, you can only imagine what's going on down there and what they're reading and hearing every single day. I mean, there's rumors that their coach may be fired after one year. And everybody, it may be a, a complete house cleaning in Arizona, so it can't be good. But still on game day, you know David Johnson's going to give you everything he has. You know Chandler Jones is going to be after every sack he can get. Mm-hmm. And Larry Fitzgerald still walks the earth. Uh, he's still a tough cover. So they're going to give you everything they have. But you have to know your motivation is going to be a little bit different than theirs after kickoff. Uh, Josh Weinfuss, who covers the Cardinals, will join us coming up in four-down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. But, DeMarco, I would imagine you agree, whatever's going on in Arizona, the final two weeks of the regular season are about the Rams. Right. I mean, play whomever. This is about figuring out who you are, recapturing who you've been, and gaining some confidence for the new year. No doubt. I, you know, I said this earlier, man. I really do. You're going to find out how much these guys really love each other and how much they really want this season to last uh, forever or just beyond 2018 because it's all out there for you. You are in the dance. We all know this. You're in the postseason already, but you're going to have to sew this thing up and you're going to have to look at each other critically and yourselves critically to get better because, I mean, with, with few exceptions, no one's playing well. I mean, as a football team, I mean, and that's everyone included, coaches included. Everyone has to get better from here. So I agree. It's not about the opponent. It's about you. When you touch the field, be the best team you can possibly be. Interesting. Not many individuals are playing well. I agree with that. I mean, we could probably five. Can you find five Rams right now that since the bye have played at or above their expectations? Woods. Aaron. John Johnson. John Johnson. Littleton. I mean, everyone collectively could play better. We said this earlier. This team needs something from their head coach. A kick in the pants, a pat on the back, a day off, or more work. He has to figure out exactly what this team needs. The button to push to get them to play beyond themselves, like they were in September. As unsettling as it is this week, just kind of living through back-to-back losses for the first time in a couple of years, when you do break it down and you look at some of the things that went wrong on Sunday, there are completion here they're a ball security here mm-hmm. from winning that game and winning it by two scores. And, and I think maybe we should start here with ball security because the turnover flare-up that they're living through right now might be as deep as you need to go. Yes, there are some peripheral issues, but when you're turning it over seven times in two games, nobody wins under those circumstances. Super Bowl contender or cellar dweller, you don't win when you turn it over seven times in two games. It's not going to happen. The, the numbers are against you. And the momentum swings alone. And look, I've been out there when you try to defend a turnover machine at quarterback. It really does wear on your the hope factor and the confidence you have in what you're doing. You know, every pass that Jared let go, let's say from September to October, you had confidence it was going to get to where it needed to get to and then possibly score. Now it's a little bit different. You might hold your breath a little bit. Hmm. It just, it makes you a little more pensive. And when it does happen, when he does make that big mistake, like the, when he got stepped on and he turned the ball over down on, their end of the field. It just, when you take the field, it just, it takes a lot out of you defensively. So, and that affects your entire team. So you have to clean that up 
at the quarterback position first. You can't do that. Picks, you can live with to a certain degree. But that stuff, you just cannot have. I don't know if you knew this on Sunday or saw it since, but Jared was mic'd up. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of revealing to see him go through those struggles. One, because it confirms what Sean McVay has always said, which is touchdown or turnover, he's the same guy. He's unflappable. I mean, he doesn't really give you any indication emotionally of what the score is. Um, and, and that was a really uh, true example of that. Secondly, I came away with a silver lining from his performance and from the last Sunday, which is if defenses are going to play the Rams the way we've seen lately, which is we're not going to let you get chunk plays. We're not going to let you let it rip over the top to Brandon Cooks, in part because of how we set our defensive structure and in part because of how we're going to be able to rush you. <laughs> like, you need time to be able to throw it deep. Jared, in that game, s- seemingly came to the realization that I'll take the underneath. I'll throw it to Todd 12 times if I need to. I will check down uh, to my tight end, Gerald Everett, who needs to learn to settle, and I mean settle and sit in space better because he's kind of filling that role that Cooper Cup filled for a long time. If you have to dink and dunk your way down the field, that's okay. I think Jared Goff is okay with that for 16, week 17, and into the postseason if necessary. I agree, totally. And if you had a healthy Todd Gurley, I think that game plan was sound versus Philadelphia. I mean, really, if you could have mixed in some runs with him how uh, versus how they were playing you, you would get them out of that sooner than later. They didn't have to. There was no run threat. So you can... Check it down to Todd if you want. And like you said, the guy's on one leg. I can live with that as a defense. But as long as there's somebody out there on the check down that can make you pay, and I hope it is Gerald Everett. He's the best catch-and-run guy of the skill position players outside of Robert Woods. I love that guy. When he turns north and south, you've got an issue. If you want to keep checking it down, like you said, Feel confident doing that, but you have to make them pay for taking away things over the top. And Jared seemed to think that they established a bit of a rhythm. Maybe they were starting to come out of whatever funk that they've been in when Philadelphia's in that prevent situation. Now, I, they're not going to see a defense as capable as the last two that they've seen, especially not in terms of the defensive front of Chicago and Philadelphia until the postseason. Uh, but Jared was saying that he feels like he still has the confidence in the supporting cast that he had way back when things were clicking, and this was one of the best offenses in the National Football League. We're talking about a lot of things that are going bad when, you know, two weeks ago was a you know, much different conversation, and I have the same faith and the same trust and the same, you know, belief in everybody that I've had since week one, and that's never changed and never will change. And um, So, no, I think we're, we're in a good spot and, and need to fix some things and, and need to get some things ironed out and will, and um, expect to do that this week. I'm glad he's saying that, but the way he stands in the pocket, what his feet are telling me, yeah. some, some of the throws that he's making and the lack of accuracy on them, tell a different story. It's two different things for me. Having confidence in the guys you're throwing to, I'm sure that never changed. Having confidence in guys keeping guys off you, that's a little bit different. And it's human nature to change when you get buried or bumped or when a nose tackle, when a guy like Fletcher Cox hits you right in the thigh pads. As you're stepping into a throw, that's got to affect you as a quarterback. It will. That's why we're, we're taught on the other side, bang that guy around. It's going to get in, get into his head at some point. But, you know, getting the ball out on time, getting the ball out or, or running the football when that's all that's available. We said this during the broadcast. Stay efficient in the game. Make them pay for their aggression. You'll start to wear them out. You just have to keep chopping wood and staying ahead of the change. Eventually, this prevent stuff, making sure you can't take the top off the defense, that will have to change as they keep backing up if you stay efficient. 
Ready for my uh, final hot take yeah. of 2018, the calendar year? Yes. I think Jerry Goff plays turnover-free football in the final two games of the regular season. Wow. I hope you're right. I really do. I hope you're right. I mean, I've ta- you've taken a look at the Cardinals. Yeah. As it's currently constructed, the way the Cardinals are going, if I told you that in week, seven, week 16 they go to Arizona and play turnover-free football, does Arizona have any chance of beating this Rams roster? No, not even close. I, I think you can turn it over once and you can still beat them. That's how bad they are on offense. But, I mean, Chandler Jones is out there and Patrick Peterson's still playing, so anything could happen. He gets the ball out and the other guy catches everything. And Goff has turned the ball over as many times in the last three games as he did during the first 11. Major course correction coming. That's my prediction. We'll talk defense because they have to hold up their end of the bargain as well. A time to deliver on their preseason promise in crunch time. Final weeks of the regular season and certainly into the new year. We'll tackle that next with DeMarco Farr. You're listening to Rams All Access. Week 16 edition on ESPN LA 710. We continue with Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr and JB Long will talk some defense in this segment, but let's start with some Pro Bowl news. Four Rams selected for the annual honor. Begins with the quarterback Jared Goff. He goes back-to-back. Todd Gurley going for a third time. Defensive tackle Aaron Donald has been a pro for five years, and he's now been to five Pro Bowls. And Corey Littleton as a specialist gets his uh, first nod. That's really nice to see. Look, my reaction to this, DeMarco, was if the Rams needed any individual chip on their shoulder for the remainder of this season or the postseason, here it is, because you've got 11 wins and you've got four Pro Bowlers, one of whom is a specialist. Absolutely. There's some guys out there that probably should have made it or should have garnered more recognition than... You know what they have. John Johnson is one that comes to mind. I mean, Robert Woods as a fifth alternate. Really? I mean, maybe the the receiver numbers have just become so distorted in today's NFL that you might miss a guy that good. But uh, that doesn't make sense. But the Pro Bowl, it is what it is. It's turned into a popularity contest. And if you look at some of these game shows on TV, like Dancing with the Stars, I hear they jumped the shark because the best dancer didn't win. The most popular guy did. So I, I think that sort of attitude and mentality has filtered over into the Pro Bowl. I mean, you mentioned two guys there that I agree with. I'm not saying Robert Woods should supplant Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, or Devontae Adams. Those are the wide receivers in the NFC and some really good ones. But fifth alternate is insulting, and it shows you're not paying attention. Right. Because of, he's doing all the little things that he's always done, and he's putting up career numbers. He's got more than a 1,000 yards, all those sorts of things. By the way, he's doing it within a system that feeds Cooper Cup until he got injured. Um Brandon Cooks, who came over in free agency, and Todd Gurley, who's a huge part of the receiving game. So to me, that's nonsense. The other one you mentioned, uh, John Johnson, and he doesn't yet have the name recognition. In fact, on this week's edition of uh, Rams Revealed, our uh, weekly podcast, uh, John Johnson was our guest, and here's what he had to say reacting just after the announcement was made about his snub. My first thought was just, who made it over me? And um, if you compare you know, stats or whatever, it may be... Um, fan love, whatever it may be. I, I thought I could I could have made it. But I mean it's all good. Um this all this is my second year. It's a long way to go, so I'll be all right. I mean I think back to the start to the season that John had going up against Jared Cook and the way he spun that around on Monday night football, even before that game was over. Now he's out there shutting down the likes of Zach Ertz. Uh, who's on pace to break Jason Witten's reception record for tight ends. He's had a remarkable season. I think the future is very, very bright. No doubt. The play he made on Ertz, uh, on the, that would have been a touchdown pass when he swatted it at the very end. I mean, wow. That's usually complete. That, that's a Philadelphia touchdown. They're bringing out the place kicker for an extra point and he, 
you know, he found a way to to get the ball out. So he's been that guy all season long. But look, to me, what's better than going to the Pro Bowl? How about Super Bowl MVP? That's still out there. RSVP, no. Absolutely. The Pro Bowl. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let's head in that direction. But it is what it is. The, the first guy I thought about when the Pro Bowl came out was actually Bones Fossil. How many years now has he had a Pro Bowler? Every single year. It's either his punter, and now it's it was a returner, now he's got Corey Littleton. One of the best defensive special teams player in the National Football League. Yeah, Hecker, an alternate. Yeah, uh, hasn't been the year for Zerline that it that it was last year. But I want to stay with the theme of defense because if you have someone who's Pro Bowl worthy, like John Johnson, if you have someone who's likely going to win Defensive Player of the Year, like Aaron Donald, then how do you explain giving up an NFL high 188 points over the last six games? You can't uh, unless you you put everybody else on Front Street. I mean, look, you know, Aaron gets doubled and tripled. Okay, so that puts everyone else out there with him on blast. You're not winning one-on-ones, or you're not winning enough. So we can call out names if you want. Sue, Brockers, Fowler, Samson, Ebocom. When you're on the field with Aaron Donald, you're almost guaranteed to get that one-on-one look. You have got to make plays. Run and pass. Uh, so if you're not looking at Corey Littleton, or if you're not looking at John Johnson, then talk about everybody else that's on the field. LaMarcus, Mark Barron, uh, Mark, or Marcus Peters, Tlaib. All these guys have to step up and make plays. Look, I, I think they're good enough to be great, but it all starts with just believing you can. So maybe we'll see that come Sunday versus Arizona. Well, I do think we'll see that this week, and I think we'll see it again next week. But let's face it, the Cardinals and the 49ers are not who you're going to be seeing in the new year. And yes, the Rams have played one of the most challenging schedules, and yes, they have had some of the league's best quarterbacks and offenses go against them. However... They've given up 98 yards or more rushing in eight straight games. Right. And postseason football is about running the football effectively and stopping the run. Right. Some of these guys, right, some of your best players, the guys that you really count on, that do make plays, we said this, they start the game slow. You know, maybe they get blocked early and some of those runs pop and then they go to the sideline, get it fixed. We always talk about how well they respond after halftime. Okay, well, you have to start the game that way Mm -hmm. now, especially when you're a playoff team where you can't get that back. Or if you seed momentum too early, you're not going to get it back versus some of these playoff teams. I think that's the lesson for them. Yeah, I mean, actually, I don't hold the defense accountable or responsible, I should say, for the Week 15 loss against Philadelphia. The short fields that the Eagles got help them. In large part to their points. True, um, but but just as I say that the offenses they're not going to face they're going to face these next couple of weeks are not that good. Uh, Detroit wasn't that good. Detroit was a meager offensive team. Uh, Trubisky in Chicago playing in the same conditions as Jared Goff, not effective. Um, so so I'm I really I don't know how to treat the 2018 Rams defensively. Except to say they're disappointing collectively in terms of their results. But they True. still have time to deliver on the promise that we saw on paper back in training camp. No doubt. And look, uh, the offense is responsible for putting you in bad field position, but they're not responsible for them scoring. That's all you, especially how they scored when it's off tackle and guys can't get off blocks or guys get run through for a touchdown. Uh, it, there's... There's nothing in the rule book that says if you turn the ball over in scoring territory that you have to give up points. You can turn that back. Uh, I'm sure back in the day, uh, one of the best defenses we ever saw, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, were put in bad field position. They just refused to give up points. You can be that group. I still think you're more talented than what you're showing as a Rams defense. I still think their best game is out there. 
And they play best from in front when they can pin their ears back, when they can put the opponent in known passing situations, attempted comebacks, those sorts of things. And and right now the Rams offensively are not helping their defense in terms of the way that they're able to uh, stay on the field, sustain drives, all those sorts of things. One more question for you to wrap up the defensive side of things. Uh, two weeks ago we were talking about Aaron Donald for MVP. Last couple of games, just four tackles, uh, zero sacks the last two weeks combined. I thought Philadelphia did an amazing job of using his aggressiveness, his penetration against him, right? Yeah. With some of those trap blocks that they're like, we can't stop you, but we can deflect you and run past you. You can deflect the bullet and make it ricochet, but look, it's Aaron, and Aaron is smart enough to know that when you're free, you're free for a reason. There's no way on this planet, especially everybody starts the week the same way offensively. How do we block 99? So if you're running scot-free in the backfield, it's for a reason. It's not because they just missed you. They know where you are. So you've got to play, you've got to recognize those faster and play those better. Uh, last thing here in this segment while we go through the laundry list of what's wrong with the Rams. And I hate that that edition of <laughs> Rams All Access has become this, but hey, here we are in a two game losing streak. It's time to address some of these things as we come down the stretch run. And by the way, I was trash on Sunday as well. So as far as broadcasters are concerned, we what all got things to clean What did up. you do wrong? Look, it, it's 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 enough blame to go around. <laughs> but, but but I I say that before I, I put you know the coaching staff yeah. and the game management on on stage here because you're about to start playing some really meaningful games where every single second matters and timeout usage I didn't oh, yeah. think in the second half um, was appropriate in two instances the Rams take their first timeout after Philadelphia I don't know if you remember was called for holding on a third down play that did not convert right Rams decided to decline right you know that they need the football and the time more than they need the field position but the Eagles are lining up to punt and the play clock after that penalty runs from 25 not 40. Wow. So by taking the time out there, you effectively lose 15 seconds. The other one that I think drew the attention in the ire of a lot of Rams fans was the third timeout, uh, 2.51 on the clock. Eagles run Josh Adams for a yard on first down. Now, Sean McVay said that they were hoping that the play clock would have wound faster, forcing the Eagles to run a second play before that two-minute warning. It didn't. And so the timeout was taken with 2.45. The Eagles end up running one more play before the two-minute warning, just as they would have had to if the timeout had not been called and had been saved for after the two-minute warning. So I know that's really hard to follow, just spilling that out here on radio, but my overall point is this. You're about to enter a phase of the season where every second counts, every down counts, every possession counts, and I think it's incumbent on all three phases plus the coaching staff to be letter, letter perfect, because whether you're hosting the Chicago Bears or the Dallas Cowboys or traveling to New Orleans, it's going to take being flawless with the football, with your tackling, with your timeouts, everything to get to where the Rams want to go. Wow. Uh, maybe you've become a little spoiled th- scoring 35 points a game. You to, know, cu- to cover up Because you don't have excuse. to really worry about that sort of stuff. And now it's a little bit different where like the margin for error is, is very, very thin. So you're going to have to be better with that. We saw, I mean, the, the things that jump out for time for me were was not going out of bounds when you should have. There's another one. That cost you about two plays. I, there was a great tackle on Gerald Everett. I think he was trying to get out and get to the left sideline. Todd Gurley owned it. He said, I got to yeah. get out of bounds right sideline so that we have two, maybe three shots at the end. But I want both guys out. I mean, I, a great tackle, but you got to find a way to stop the clock there. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they do. So, yeah, I mean, there are situations, like you said, when you get into the playoffs, it's one and done. If you don't get it right then, you're not going to get it back ever mm-hmm. for the season. 
Well, if you want to feel better about yourselves and about your Los Angeles Rams going into Week 16, stick around. Because in our next segment, we'll go inside opponent's territory. And my goodness, things are way worse in Cardinals land. <laughs> Josh Weinfuss will be here to detail. On the other side, on this edition of Rams All Access, you're listening to ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to this week's 16 edition of Rams All Access. My name is JB Long, and time now for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And we're thankful to have Josh Weinfuss with us back on the program. Josh covers the Cardinals for ESPN's NFL Nation. Josh, looking forward to seeing you uh, this weekend, this Sunday in Glendale. Let's start with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. And as the 2018 campaign winds down, I wonder if this might be the last time we see Fitz play a home game on Sunday. You are not the only one who's wondering that. That's kind of the biggest question around here besides the future of the head coach, Steve Wilkes. Um, I, I would say right now I'm leading towards, this is a, you know, there, to me there's a 55-45 chance that this is his last home game. He's hinted both ways, and he's made it very tough to decipher his intentions in the past. So it's really tight, kind of tough to know now. And he, the thing is he probably won't make up his mind if it's not already made up until about a month after the season. He likes to wait until – his body recovers, and then he kind of then starts to figure out, is this something he wants to do again? Does he want to go through the whole off-season OTAs, mini-camp, training camp, and then have another season like they just had? So I would say there, there, there's that possibility it could be his last home game, but we just really don't know at this point. Well, and if you spin it forward to next year, like which quarterback, which version of Josh Rosen is he going to be playing with? Will Rosen be able to take the year one to year two leap like Jared Goff, like Mitchell Trubisky did? And so I wonder, from your perspective, Rosen benched last week, how would you characterize his rookie season and the foundation that it might lay for his career? It has been a roller coaster. He's looked fantastic at some points. He has looked like a rookie at other points. So it's really kind of just been an up and down year for him. You know, he got thrown in in week uh, three late in the game. Like you said, he got benched this past weekend, but I think it was more, they just wanted to protect him. You know, he, they were getting crushed. They didn't want him to get beat up. So I think it was more of a, let's, let's not risk anything type of move, but, um, the foundation he's laying, I think, will help him in the future. He's, he's understanding what it's like to be an NFL quarterback. He's facing complex um, defensive schemes. He's seeing disguises, and he knows what it's like to lose. And one thing um, that we've been hearing a lot of around here is that, you know, look what Peyton Manning did as a rookie. He threw a ton of interceptions. He, I think they went 3-13 and in his rookie year, too. And then look at the type of career he had. Now, I'm not going to say Josh Rosen is going to be Peyton Manning, but they, they the coaches here trying to use that, that example as what could possibly happen. So I think this is going to be a good thing for Josh Rosen in the future, um, but it's, it's been pretty rocky so far. Uh, Josh covers the Cardinals for ESPN's NFL Nation, but as for those coaches, the question how many of them will be back, and really even above that, how much turnover could we see this offseason atop the Cardinals organization? We can see anything from just a couple of systems being let go to a complete uh, cleaning house. You know, I, I think what's likely going to happen is you're going to see either Steve Kime or Steve Wilkes be let go. With um, if Steve Wilkes is let go, then I think the whole staff is gone too. But if Steve Kime is fired, then I think you're going to see a couple of assistants be let go as well. But there will definitely be changes this off season. There's a lot of things, however, in my opinion, that aren't Steve Wilkes' fault. I think he will catch the blame for and could fall for. But I think ultimately we're going to see some significant changes come, possibly starting the Monday after the regular season. All right, final question here on Four Down Territory for Josh Weinfuss, who covers the Cardinals. Since it looks right now like Arizona could have the number one pick in the NFL draft in the 2019 spring, what do you see as their biggest draft need? There's a few of them. You know, they need help on the offensive line. I just don't know if there's an offensive lineman 
who's worth taking number one. Uh, you, they need help at cornerback. And there are a couple guys that go top five, not necessarily a clear-cut number one cornerback. Um, and then they need a wide receiver. But with the number one pick, I think you know a lot of people have them are projecting they're going to take Nick Bosa. They could use more help um, rushing the passer. So that could be a possibility. They could use help up front against the run. So a defensive tackle could be a possibility. But those are about the five positions I think we could see Arizona go with. Um, but the problem is they just need so much help in so many different areas that there's no clear-cut one position that they have to address in the, with the number one overall pick. Sounds like a scenario where they might like to spin that pick into multiple picks to address all five of those needs or more. All right, Josh, Absolutely. thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you for Week 16. Hope you're hanging in on what has been a very difficult uh, 2018 season in the desert. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, that's Four Down Territory. Final segment of Rams All Access. Back with DeMarco Farr after this on ESPN LA 710. Final segment of Rams All Access before we head to the desert, Week 16, a showdown with the Arizona Cardinals. Sean McVay and his staff trying to remain undefeated against the division and against Arizona, specifically during their tenure. Should have started the uh, episode with this. Sorry that I didn't, but I think most of our audience knows. To clinch a bye this week, Rams need a win, and they need a Chicago loss or tie. Rams win, anything other than a Chicago win, and you got the two seed at worst. Uh, a tie for the Rams and a Chicago loss would be another way to do it, but that's just kind of the clinching scenario for the Rams going in uh, to Week and the, 16. The Bears are playing. Uh, the Bears finish at San Francisco and at Minnesota. San Francisco, <laughs> I never thought they'd beat Seattle, and they did. So who knows? Maybe they found something. And then the other one we're keeping an eye on, the Saints, who escaped Carolina on Monday night, finish home to Pittsburgh. But even if you're optimistic about Ben, ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, uh, Carolina has now shut down Cam Newton for the season. So the likelihood of the Panthers coming to the Superdome in Week 17 and beating New Orleans with anything on the line, I, I, I'm resigned to the fact that the Rams are playing for the two-seed. A that miracle. It, that's a miracle. For, for them to lose there without Cam Newton. It was going to take a miracle with him. Now without him, forget it. And you know what, though? Champagne problems if you have to deal with going to New Orleans for an NFC Championship game. You know, I I I said this before. I know Somewhere inside of me, I, I think he wants to go back there. No, somewhere inside of me, I think he really wants to go back he there. And Sean McVay? Sean McVay. I really, if he had his druthers, he'd keep it in Southern California, but... I don't think he minds going back to New Orleans. Well, he wasn't there with you when you were a player, and he wasn't yeah. there with us in 2016. <laughs> it's not about us. With right. the previous coaching staff, <laughs> and the fact that, at least since I've become a member of this organization, that has not been a good place to play, apparently he's impervious Then the that. due factor has got to take effect. You're due for a win there at some point. But I guess my overriding point is, if you're hoping to avoid that fate, going to New Orleans for an SC championship, if you're hoping to host that instead... Uh, I think your odds are actually better at this point, hoping that New Orleans stumbles in the divisional round, and you're the highest surviving seed, than pretending that they're going to lose these two games. That's fair. Stretch. That's fair. I mean, first take care of business, and then you scoreboard right, watch. Yeah. I, I mean, this take week to me, yep. and to the I, it's about the Rams, and I think the rest of this regular season is about the Rams. Arizona, San Francisco, they don't have what it takes to beat you on a good day. Forget your best day on a good day. The Rams need two of their best days, I think, going into the new year and going into I agree. what we think is going to be a playoff bye. I just don't know what the offense looks like. I don't know how McVay attacks. I don't know the condition of Todd Gurley. I have an idea since you signed a back off the street, so to speak. Or what C.J. Anderson's role is going to be and how right. that looks. And I'm looking, if it is, like, look, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for you. 
you know, you're going to get the football. You're going to get touches. You're going to be a big part of this game plan. Let's see it. Can you get us through these two weeks? That would be awesome. As long as he's not busting any blitz pickups, which I don't think he will. I think he has the track record that right. he's going to be reliable in that regard, at least more reliable than your other two options. I'm fine with it. Yes. He, he, if he plays three quarters of the game, I'm fine with it. And there's better ways to, to get you out of situations where you have to pick up blitzes. Be real effective on first and second down. Which has been the Achilles yes. heel since the bye. Right. Start there, and then forget about blitz pickup. Just start there. You can take their half their defensive game plan away just by staying ahead of the chains. Hmm. All right, we are heading to the desert, Arizona, Week 16. Uh, Rams heavy favorites. I think they finished 2018 with two impressive high-scoring victories. How about you? Wow. I mean, 11-3, and three and it feels like you're. it's opposite, which is good. I mean, this team is good, and they haven't played as well as we thought. Or, or, or th- as well as we think they could in the last two weeks. So their best game is out there in December. Let's hope it's in Arizona. Just take care of the football. The turnovers have really flared these last couple of weeks. Protect the football, win the game, two wins, clinch a bye, whether or not you get any help from Chicago. DeMarco, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we will talk on the plane, and we will join you three hours before kickoff on Sunday for Week 16 coverage of the Rams and the Cardinals from the greater Phoenix area. Thanks for listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 7. 710.